We're recording inside the Cohab Podcast Studio space under the Texas Street Bridge by the Red River in downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, and this is the 3180 Podcast. What is going on in the 318? What is our current identity? Shreveporters can make this place into the city we want it to be. It's time for Shreveport to make a 180. Every Thursday, we are having conversations about doing just that. We're talking to people who are making the difference in our city. I'm Josh Clayton. I'm Thomas Young. Welcome to the 3180 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the 3180 Podcast. This is your host, Josh Clayton, and Thomas Young is uh, in the studio as well. Today we have very special guests. I'm going to stay off the microphone and get out of the room. We have Grant Knuckles of Twisted Root, Jacqueline's um, interviewing Winston Hall. Grant's born and raised here in Shreveport. Many of you probably know him. Winston Hall is a local music enthusiast, music historian. He was born in Gatesville, Texas, and moved to Shreveport, Louisiana in 2007. If you've never been to the Municipal Auditorium for one of Winston's tours, I encourage you to do so. If you've never had a burger at Twisted Root, I encourage you to do so. So welcome. Uh, This is the first edition of what we're going to try here, uh, a few guest hosts. And our first guest host is Grant Knuckles, interviewing Winston Hall. Enjoy. Cool. Hey, Winston. Good to see you, man. Grant. You're a busy guy. Oh, it's uh, it's always fun to sit down and catch up with you. Yeah, man. And not, not around a cheeseburger. That's right. <laughs> Although I have enjoyed... Uh, we've known each other for a while, but I feel like we've done a better job in the last few months of like sitting, carving out time to just yes. talk talk shop, which in, in our case is typically music. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I know when we came in, you said you, you typically wake up to Facebook messages from from all sorts of people yeah well it's um we've started a movement yeah and you're, you're part of that well thanks and um, I, I think there's an awareness growing mm-hmm. and it's starting to manifest in this busyness that's happening because of this conversation about Shreveport's music history right yeah. well what I think will probably be a thread in this talk uh, is also kind of a threat as I've gotten to know you is, is your story because you're not a native no, of Shreveport but you've gotten to be in this position of a huge, probably the champion of Shreveport local music history, and where do we take that, and how do we uh, benefit, capitalize on that? So, how did you come to Shreveport, and how did you come to be such a a uh, local cultural buff, as it were? Well, it's I feel like this is a neat story because I came here not for music or any other reason. I came to work in the movies, as did a lot of people, and so I came here sight unseen. I had never seen Shreveport, never been through Shreveport, but, but my buddy called and said, I get you a job in the movies. Movies, right? My <laughs> eyes got real big, and, and I was actually up in Nashville trying to make a go as a songwriter. Boy, and I folded that hand real fast, and I came down here, but I never meant to stay longer than weeks, maybe months. You know, I, I didn't think there was a future here for me, um, but I worked on a couple movies that rolled into other movies, and you look up, and it's been, you know, a year or two, and I had always played music. I'd always been a piano player as a hobby. It was always a side hustle. And then, to my surprise, in Shreveport, Louisiana, I started getting these calls to play the piano more and more often, okay? So the reason I'm telling you this is the music, when you talk about the music, it's very, very personal to me because if I sing a Hank Williams song and somebody gives me a tip, that Pays, helps pay the mortgage or helps put food on the table. And so I quickly realized that the, the, the gig in this town wasn't movies, it was music. 
And so I only did movies for about two years. And then I looked up and I was playing music five, six, sometimes seven nights a week. And during that process, when I started to get rooted in the community, is when I started looking around at the music history. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing it pop up. You know, mentions Elvis was here, Hank was here. And then I started to dig around and what happened was, for me personally, I sensed this great void in the discussion about the music history. I had to really work to find it. And having been to places like Memphis and New Orleans, you don't have to work to find it. Yeah. it they hit you over the head with it when you get there. And so I started to examine why, particularly in this city, the music history wasn't at the forefront of every conversation, and that's where it started. When you were playing the, these early gigs in Shreveport, were you already, a, a, say, a childhood fan of, say, a Hank Williams, or did, did a few of your musical influences just happen to be Shreveport, Shreveporters? Well, I grew up in rural central Texas, and I grew up listening to country music. So a lot of these singers, the Hayride singers, were already ingrained in my consciousness, but I didn't put two and two together until I got here. Yeah. Perfect example, Floyd Kramer. Oh, I'm a piano player. I started playing the piano when I was five, and pretty early on, people point to Floyd Kramer and say, that's, that's a style. You want to be able to do that slip note. That, that I was going to say, what's it called? Yeah. Slip something. Slip, yeah. slip note, yeah. And uh, so I had already been listening to him, trying to emulate him. Well, then I moved to Shreveport, and they... Somebody says, oh, yeah, by the way, did you know he was here at the Louisiana Hayride? Yeah, y'all look up Floyd Kramer and that Last Dance. Is that yeah. that song and then the the music in that song and then all the artists that he supported in his career? Just one of, of dozens of oh. highly influential people to come out of here. Absolutely. So is, is a slip note like a, a hard thing to... Is yeah. it is it like it's nuanced? You okay. gotta you gotta kind of know what. But you're it's doing. not like stride piano. It's no, not no, like no. a style like no. that. It's a okay. no. It's a very distinctive. He he slips in a note okay. between the others. It's hard to describe over you know without doing the it. color yeah. that it gives to a song is incredible. But though. you've heard it on a lot of famous yeah. country songs. You know, crazy and songs like yeah. this. Okay, he, it's a very distinctive style. Okay. And so so Floyd, that's one guy. So what happened was. Um, my uh, family came to visit after I'd been here a few years. And we went to the municipal auditorium. Um, and we were trying to get in, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Took the tour, and I'll never forget this. My dad said, well now what, what's the next stop? And we looked around and said, well that's, that's the end of it. This was back in 2010, 2009 maybe. And I got home, I remember this very distinctly. I sat at my house and was trying to figure out why as I, as I was learning about the music history, why was there nowhere to go? Where would I go? I mean, if I really want to dig into Shreveport's music history, where do I go? And the answer I felt like was beyond the Municipal Auditorium, there was nowhere to go. And so then began this, I guess it's a quest, you know, it's a dramatic word, but it's like I started trying to find answers. And that's actually how I met Grant. Right. Because uh, my wife, Donna, we walked into Twisted Root to get a burger, and I saw all the music memorabilia <laughs> on the walls. And I turned to my wife and I said, "This is probably the best music museum we have in Shreveport." And it's a you it's know, a shame that's it's a true, restaurant. but I mean, it, it 
It is. My dad is, you know, growing up in Shreveport, anybody's parent of my generation would say, oh, I remember the hayride, this and that. Most of it's a lie. I saw all this, but dad's, <laughs> he'll be 78 in November. So he, he actually, was. Well, he was a, you know, grew up a poor boy in plain dealing, but that was their monthly treat. Oh yeah. To go drive into this big city and see Hank and Johnny and, and uh, Willie Nelson, Patsy Cline, and, and then eventually Elvis a few times and so I, that's how I learned about Shreveport music history from him and mm-hmm. I, I you hear it when you're young and then I'm a I became a music fan play guitar for fun and you start hearing those stories again it's like I can't even believe this so then the Wikipedia comes along and I get in these rabbit holes and I'm like god yeah. dad's right his memory's mm-hmm. not failing him and so you start to learn about these other I won't call them minor players but the Floyd Kramers and stuff that people don't know about but uh, people uh, on Music Row know about them, and nationally they, they yeah. know about them. And so, yeah, when I built Twisted Root, I just wanted a, a music a theme. And so, um, so it was he- it's heavy on the hayride, but uh, try to cover all the bases. And yeah. just to give people my generation just a little quick reminder, even if it's a gentle gentle nudge about, you know, and that's why meeting somebody like you, every time we meet, I learn something. And that's saying something, because I thought I knew a lot. But, you know, the level that, that you know and constantly learning you know, how do we put that to all the citizens of Shreveport and then to Americans? Because this, to me and to you, is a is a the ultimate game here is, is a music tourism play. Yes, yes. Well, so, and I think you and I might have talked about this, but a lot of people, if you grew up in Shreveport, you went to the symphony. And if you grew up in Plain Dealing or, or a smaller rural community outside, you came in to go to the Hayride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's probably lends some of that like well you know the hayride that's just that's you know hillbilly music or or whatever Mm -hmm. um and and i think that that's i think that's a lot of what we talked about this a little bit previously but the the shreveport it's a small town and a lot a lot of where the people come to shreveport from is is you know, right, right outside of town within 30, 30, where a lot of artists came from too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they still do. They still come from there. Like if, if you're, in Shreveport, and you're you're an artist. You you you're going to go to a Nashville or a Austin or mm-hmm. some place like that. And that those little the smaller communities bring all that stuff together. And I, and I I don't know I don't know how I never saw that before mm-hmm. until we started having the conversation. Yeah. I didn't I didn't notice that, but I think yeah. that you Winston and I did yeah. talk about that. Well, so uh, what's happening here? Here's. Well, Josh and I were just talking about this outside. It's okay to have problems as a city. That's okay. What's not okay is not presenting solutions to the problems. And what we get a lot is people complaining, but not solving. Complaining never does anything except make everybody around you miserable. So what I identified early on was this problem. The problem is... Shreveport's music history, and I'm saying this emphatically, and I'm going to pound the table <laughs> when I say it. Shreveport's music history runs circles around most cities in America. You're so right. Circles. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even talk about Lead Belly. We only have an hour, hour and a half. But you could go chronologically through the 20th century, and every Shreveport music character you stumble across could be its own industry unto themselves. Yeah. The lineage, too. Yes. Like, like, I mean, if you want to pick guitar, Lead Belly, Hank, yes. Buddy Flett, Kenny Wayne, yes. Jimmy Wooten. Yes. Or pick <clears throat> classical music on the paper today is John Henry yes. Crawford. Go all the way back to Van Cliver. Yep. 
Yep. Pick, pick any, you know. So we're talking about problems. The problem is we have this insane music history, and the problem is, for the most part, not enough has been done to propagate it. Now, there's a, there's a hardcore group of people who I love dearly who have been trying to do this for years. And for various reasons and influences, certain things haven't happened. But so when I jumped on board, I'm definitely not the first, but lately I've been the loudest, okay, <laughs> um, is connecting all of these dots. And what the, the ultimate play, like he said, is music tourism. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Um, there was a gentleman that came through town yesterday with his girlfriend, and he has an RV, and he's going all across America. His name's Josh. Going all across America visiting music history locations. And he said some of them have signage and, and are done well, and some of them you, you, you have to, like, get out a map and a compass and figure out how to get there on your own. But every one of them, there's just this common denominator is that people are attracted to them. So the problem in Shreveport is we have those people showing up. But right now we don't have a system in place to accommodate them, and we don't have anywhere to send them once they get here. I do tours in Municipal Auditorium. I have given tours to people from Germany, France, Luxembourg, Belgium, Brazil, England. These are people traveling five, 6,000 miles to come to our city. And when we get here, it hasn't been the most accommodating situation. You know, uh, These people spend money. They eat food. They buy souvenirs. And when I mentioned the void in our city, that, that's what's missing is these people, ha we have to have our arms open when they get here and have 10 things for them to do. And right now, we don't. So that's the problem. So the solution is the development of these systems. You know, we, we've got to be able to, for, first of all, first and foremost, we don't have an office of music tourism. Um, my dear friends at the Tourist Bureau do the best they can, but they have other jobs. Some of them are on the sports commission, and when in what little free time they have, they're trying to accommodate music tourism. So I would like to see uh, the city and the Tourist Bureau develop an office of music tourism. Uh, the wheels are kind of moving on that, and they know that that's how I feel, so I don't think it's too outrageous a claim <laughs> to make, but I, I really see that as a positive step towards building these uh, these systems. You, know, you have to be able to point at somewhere. Right now there's some emails to go to and some phone calls to make, and uh, you know people aren't quite sure where to go, and that, so that has to be the first step is you point at something like that and say, this is who you call, this is where you go. Other cities have it. Nashville sure. has a music tourism office. Um, and I can keep rambling on, so inter interject. Well, I was going to say, I, I think self-education as a city is a is a important first yes. step because what you said I, I completely agree with. That there's cities ten times our size that don't have a tenth of the history that we do but they have capitalized on it yeah. much better. Yeah. So because – I look at you know music history or any history. It's kind of like it, it can, it can last forever and be and be a live history if the people that hold it know what they have and yes. they take care of it. But just like I tell the story all the time, and it breaks my heart, yours too, about the house Hank Williams Hank's Senior, house. 
Hank's you house. know, was rotting away in, in Bozier. And when we talked even before it happened, oh, you know, it would be cool. Somebody needs to just take it down, move it to the municipal and rehab it. And the Hank Williams Museum would have how many thousands of annual visitors mm-hmm. when the place where Elvis got his hair cut on the side of the road mm-hmm. is a museum. <laughs> yep. But yep. we waited too long and somebody in Nashville, I guess, got the idea. Yep. And now that house is somewhere in Tennessee. Yeah, the house, uh, I saw it before it basically had a tree fall on it in the back. And I went by, this was a, a Modica Street in Bossier City. This is a house Hank Williams bought. He lived there with uh, with Audrey. Mm-hmm. Hank Jr. lived there. He was born in Shreveport. So this house had a lot of history in Modica Street in Bossier City, and it fell into disrepair. The tree fell on it and kind of finished the job. <laughs> and then a guy from Nashville came and bought what was left of it and put it on a truck and took it back to Tennessee. So our history is literally falling down and leaving town if we don't. But here's the thing. I've always said this. That is a manifestation of the culture, Yeah. right? The, the, there has to be a culture of appreciation for those things to, to be taken care of. And for whatever reason, for the last half century, we just haven't had that culture here, that these things have to be revered and honored and protected. Um, and for I don't know why. You know, There's a lot of conjecture about why it's like that here. Hard to turn that train around after decades, but that's what we have to do. Yeah, but also it's like, like what you were saying before it's like if you just fix the problem and don't fix the blame like we, we, you know like point fingers and blaming and right. all that stuff that doesn't do anything nope. but the same thing that you're like that's just setting us back more like right okay whatever that happened let's talk about how to how to you know make it better yes. and and you know everybody in this room has had an endeavor that they thought was going to go yep. from a to b and ended up at c somehow instead yeah so it's you know you just have to try, and yes. nobody's going to fault you for trying. I mean, they might try and do that, but if you tried and you did your best and it didn't work, then, hey, you know, that's that's what is. But, you know, you can, you know, either try or, or you know, keep your mouth Trying shut. is the best thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the like answer- don't just – don't just – poo-poo the idea yeah. like just if you're yeah. not interested that's fine sure but don't actively like fight against it there's not hurting anybody there's two kinds of people in the world there's the why people and the why not people and the why not people hmm. they're they're the dreamers they're the ones that actually achieve big things you're going to open a burger restaurant not even sure what you're doing why not right the the inverse of that are the why people and the why people get in the way of everything. I'm going to do this. Why? Why? I've always been attracted to the why not people because if you look at all the big ideas that Shreveport has ever had that were good, Cyport for one, you know these things that that are that are positive that attract people. They're always constructed by the why not people first in their heads, in their minds, in their hearts. So when it comes to the music history. I have gravitated towards all the why not people, and there are quite a few of them. Sure. There are quite a few that see the possibility, the possibility. And that's kind of been my message. I sound like a preacher. If you follow me on social media, I, I'm, I really get redundant. But, you know, you have to look at the possibility. And so when I do these tours, and just the other day I did a tour at the municipal for 30 people that got off of a bus, and I see the big bus in front of the municipal auditorium. 
And I see the possibility. If we can bring one bus, why not five? If we can bring five, why not 10? If they'll come to the municipal, would they go to a music museum? Of course they would. There's so much possibility. And in this city especially, it always boils down to an economic question. Always. And there are li people literally coming into town with money trying to hand it to us right now, and we're not in a position to accept it. Right. It's such a nice, would be such a nice dovetail because the economic development is, is really the capstone of all the problems and solutions for this city. Yes. And so if you can, it, to me, if it was an economic development, you know, as music lovers, the tourism or, or just the music history being saved and promoted is, is still, to me, super important. But the fact that it can be an economic development driver, huge. it's just... Yeah. It's got to be at the forefront, and I yes. think that's what makes a lot of sense. Also, because there is national interest, and I believe, and we can get into the fundraising and the music museum and how that would work, but there is, like, national interest and yes. national money there. Yes. I mean, when um, when Robert Plant or Jack White come to Shreveport and, you know, shout out the building they're in and the Lead Belly and the Hank and the Elvis or whatever – I mean, th there are dollars behind that. But it's already been demonstrated in other cities. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's there. It's just getting it off the ground. How do we, what do you envision the next step of, is it, is it, a, is it a big effort on one thing like a music museum or is it smaller little efforts? How, how do you see that okay. taking place? I've thought a lot about this. That's a good question. I feel like, Step number one, which I've been working on for about four years now, is the, is the development of the culture. Because anything like a museum has to be the, the manifestation of a culture, right? Like if, if nobody liked cheeseburgers, would you build a right. place that sells cheese? Of course not, right? But you know that people like cheese. So in this, this silly, silly metaphor, but, but we know people like music history. But we have to cultivate this greater awareness in the city and so it's kind of this which came first, chicken or the egg kind of thing. In my opinion, if we had this world-class music museum, it could open some eyes and help cultivate the appreciation in the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. On the other hand, you don't want to get the cart before the horse and build it before we're ready as a city to take care of it and promote it. Um, I will say this on the record. There are some conversations going on right now with certain people. I don't want to name names yet. Sure. That are wanting to put the, their money where their mouth is and, and develop a music museum. So these conversations are going on right now. And I've long said that whoever does it first will be the benefactor of, of a lot of um, success. Because I have seen, I have seen personally, the people that have so much interest. Right. They have nowhere to go. Uh, I had a conversation. This is a true story. I had a conversation with uh, someone in the lieutenant governor's office. Because in Louisiana, Lieutenant Governor is in charge of tourism. And Billy Nungesser, he's great. I love him. And I had this conversation because I pulled out the literature. There's literature, the brochures, the Hank Williams Trail, the Mississippi Blues Trail. And I'm rifling through all these brochures. And if you look at the little map on the back, you know, they usually have a little, like, yeah. decorative map. It'll say, Eveport. Like, it's on the edge of the map, you know, or it's not on the map at all, or it's there simply as a geographic reference. And we're getting left off of all this literature about the music, you know, music history. And people will come from Europe, and they'll fly directly to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, they'll send them on these musical goose chases around the South, and it always, always includes 
Tupelo, Memphis, uh, the crossroads in Mississippi, never includes Shreveport. And so I asked this lady at the lieutenant governor's office, I said, why are we not a part of this? I mean, this is the greater context of what we're talking about. Why are we not a part of this conversation? And she said kind of bluntly, well, we don't have anywhere to send them up there. And it hurt to hear that, but it was true. Yeah, You can't send somebody 200 miles out of their way to get to the municipal auditorium and maybe get in. Now, this was years ago. So that's so. My first step was well, we got to make the municipal accessible. Which uh, I got to say, the SMG that manages the building has been awesome. They've been very accommodating with balancing the the live concerts with the tours because the tours are important for that, you know, foundation. And uh, so that was that was one step. Uh, the second step is we have to get into the greater conversation in the South. Uh, the, you know, Europeans, not, I mean, not just Europeans, they're a big market, but people that do these music history tours, they rent cars and they go and they look at the map and say, well, we'll go here, we'll go there, we'll go there. And, uh, you know, Shreveport just unfortunately right now is not a big part of that conversation. We had a, uh, I had a tour the other day um, that was on their way to Dallas from Tupelo, music history tour, and they stopped at the municipal and we gave them a tour. And I said, well, how long are you guys in town? And they said, an hour. Yeah, an but, hour. They but, didn't even stop for food. But the, the thing is, we're right in the middle of of all that. Like right. there, sh- it sh- you should even if it's just an hour. Right. Like, but if you gave them three hours or six right. hours or two days worth of stuff to do, right? Like, that's and, and that's the thing too. That I don't know. We've we talked about this a lot too. It's like we're we're really geographically well placed. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to, yes. to to connect all of these other places, and that's that's sort of why we're still here and relevant. You know, we've got oil and gas, we've got a big medical, we've got, you know, airplanes. But we're between Dallas and Memphis and Nashville and Houston. We're, we're on the and, way to everywhere. Yeah, and the, funny, everywhere. the funny thing about that is that that's why the, the music history here w- even is, began. Because yeah. yes. James Burton and Joe Osborne and all these people were not from Shreveport. They were from these little towns, just like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. So that, that they came here, and so then the history was made here, and so we can still take advantage of being at that, you know, crossroads. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, t- you you went to Nashville. Like, if Nashville. you go to Nashville, it's like, how how long before you're just like, oh my god, like, <laughs> I, I can write a song. But I'll be here writing songs for 50 years before anybody talks to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like unless you're a very specific, unless you're a very specific type or you have an in, which is 90% of, of that is who you know. Mm-hmm. And, and not that you can't, you know, you have to be talented on some level, but like come here. Yeah. Like come here yeah. and, and play music and, and do it just like. What, you can live here really inexpensively. You can you can do that. And you can get a whole bunch of other places yeah. in your car. Like, I mean, that that seems to be maybe that's something that you can couple with. Hey, we'll get, we're we're going to start a program that's like, hey, people that want to write songs but aren't mm-hmm. they're not so sure that they want to just go and like grind it for twenty five years before <laughs> they you know. Well, let me tell you the great irony of my life is I'm more well-connected in Nashville now that I live in Shreveport than when I lived in Nashville, right? right? So because there are all these connections. The other night at the, the screen, the uh, Country Ken Burns documentary at yep. the Robinson, I caught Kix Brooks on the corner 
downtown, not a soul around, just him and his uh, him and his wife and me just talking on the street corner. And the accessibility to that kind of thing here is so much better. Uh, it, look, when I lived in Nashville, I didn't last long. I was there, I mean, maybe six months. I mean, I, I saw the writing on the wall, you know, real fast. Um, I played music maybe twice in six months, and neither one paid, right? And so I'll get down here, and I think this is part of the the greater conversation about fostering pride in Shreveport is the music scene here is phenomenal. And I say that as someone who lived in Nashville, where the bright lights are, you know. The, the victory as a musician is just being able to play, make a little money, and if you work real hard here, you can play full time. And so I, I've, I've said that to all these young musicians who are kind of wanting to run off somewhere else. I say, hey, you know, the Mecca isn't always somewhere else. Yeah. Sometimes you're there and don't realize it. But the, it, that's a spillover from the Hayride days when Shreveport was where people came. They well, came here. It and, was opportunity. And I think that, too, is, is kind of the, you know, the original conversation about, like, people were, people were coming into Shreveport from, you know, Spring Hill or, mm-hmm. or, or some small community where it's like, hey, man, we really don't have – we don't have – what what you have but it's only it's only 30 miles down the road or or you know 15 minutes down the road and josh and i had sort of talked we 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 are trying to figure out like you know we've had all these conversations you know with all these different people and a lot of people are saying these things that seem like every like there's a feeling of things sort of moving forward Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out like how how do we and we started doing this podcast and then (laughs) and we we were having the conversation we're having the conversation it's like man i don't know what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and then we're sitting here and i don't we didn't record this it was like we had stopped recording of course. and then it's like i think this is what we're supposed to be doing we don't make any money doing this thing we don't but it's like just to be able to bring people together and and that's sort of what it was it was like how do we connect all these people together just to make the pace make the place better and that and that was sort of uh, of course you know off the Mike, but it was like, <laughs> I think we're doing the thing. And, and that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think the thing, if you want to play music, just find a place that you can play music. You, you can go to Nashville and you can hustle and you can try. But if you just play music, you'll eventually get there. I mean, I know that seems kind of like, eh, but you got to invest 20 years. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, I've, you know, I, I was in the movie business as well. Okay. So and, and, you know, I went from here to I didn't make movies I actively avoided trying you know making movies here because mm-hmm. I came from L- when I came here to make a movie they flew me here from LA and I sat in a hotel right here on the riverfront for a week did I was paid every single day to sit in a hotel and wait <laughs> because it snowed the day I got here and it's like you know okay but I would have come here and sat here for free, but instead the studio paid me to fly here, mm-hmm. sit in a hotel, you know, and after the, after that, I came back and I, you know, I knew a guy that was coming here. I'm a photographer and that's what, but I knew a guy who was coming here and he's like, man, they're made they're, they're like, I got to hire a local guy. Can you please just come here and work as a local guy? And I'm like, I, I can come like you know union wise I can't just come there and say that I'm not coming but I'll, I'll I can stay at my mom's house yeah. and you don't have to pay my, my housing and I'll, and I'll do it and it's you know and that was probably one of the last movies I made but 
you know, and then eventually I, I went back to Austin, which is where I came from here. I went, you know, away to school and I, I ended up in Austin, then in L.A., back in Austin and then ultimately back here. Back here. So and it's like I'm, I'm talking to all these people in Austin now that are like, man, I'm moving to Taylor. I'm moving to Hutto. I'm <laughs> moving to anywhere outside yeah. of here because yeah. The guy that just moved in next door to me is 26 years old. He just built a $2 million house on a lot that used to be like, you know, two old meth cooks. And now it's like, you know, yeah. and those guys were nice. This yeah. guy's worse than two old junkies. Like, I just want out. And, and I don't know if that's age or, or whatever it is, but it's, it's that same kind of thing of like the marketing of Austin or Nashville or any of those places because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends, too, 10 years ago mm-hmm. went from Austin to Nashville, Yeah, you know, and then that's, they're going to start getting priced out in Nashville, just like they did yeah. there. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like we, you, we got plenty of room over here. Yeah. We're, we're, it's a good location. Yep. There's a it bunch of nice people here. And, and, and you, as long as you do have this conversation with Kallenberg from time to time, yeah. it's like, man, if you show up in town and you do what you say you do, Mm-hmm. nobody's going to question you. Like if you show up and sit, you know, I mean, you can't be like, I'm a doctor and then start doing <laughs> surgery. But it's like, <laughs> if you, if you come here and you say, I'm a songwriter and I, I yeah. play, I play music no, and you go and do that. Nobody's mm-hmm. gonna be like, Oh, Winston, he doesn't really yeah. do that. It's like, no, that's where's he right now. He's playing yes. music. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. And, Na- Nashville jumped a shark a long time ago. With yeah. That. Yeah. We're not there yet. And there was an article in the Austin American Statesman about Shreveport. Did you read this? I did. Article? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly what you said. These cities all have branding and mm-hmm. they have identities. Yeah. Somebody 40 years ago said, keep Austin weird. And here we are still talking about weird Austin, even though it's not weird anymore. Right. They've, they've grown and changed. But this conversation about the music history is part of the greater conversation about Shreveport's identity. Mm-hmm. And we fight this battle. I'm not from here, but my wife is from New Orleans. And one of the first things I noticed when I moved here is this constant comparison to New Orleans it's constant and right off the bat I said we got to stop doing that you just got to forget that because we will never be New Orleans but then I I flip the script and I tell people but you know what New Orleans will never be Shreveport you know like some people laugh right and I'll say well did New Orleans have Lead Belly no did they have James Burton or Van Clyburn no did they have Louisiana Hayride no did they have Elvis no, I mean we we the music history is ours up in this end of the boot. It's ours, and nobody else can claim it. So when you talk about the message we send out, if it's a if it's a people have to quit shrugging their shoulders when they say they're from Shreveport, and unfortunately, a lot of locals are guilty of that. Yeah, I mean I know growing up it seemed yeah. to go in waves, but it was the cool thing to do in school to to kind of crap on Shreveport. And yeah. I felt like that, that had changed some, but I've, I've, I've thought to myself too about, you know, just my family's been here a long time and I just, I, and I love the music. So I've got that pride. But if you just tell people to just, you know, love your city, it at least helps to, to give them something to love and talk about and right. learn about and be proud of. And, yeah. and music is so universal that that's another thing that to fix. We talked about music fixing Shreveport's economic problems. I feel like it can also fix those pride problems because yes. it's something that's universal and people can latch on to. Yeah. It can, you can tie people together. Yeah. And, and you can bridge a, 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 you know, income gap or a racial gap or any of those things. Like music's universal, whether it's classical music, country music, you know, 
hip hop music. It, it like that's you, the deal. Yeah. You may like something or you may not, but it's like you, you're not just gonna. You don't say like, oh, that music's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's like you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't listen to that. I just listen to this over here because I like this better. And we're sort yeah, of guilty. Yeah, our music of, history like, is so varied that oh, it, there's crazy, very, man. very, very few genres or instruments that you could point to, and, and you couldn't talk about how Shreveport played a big influence. Well, okay, talk about geographic crossroads, mm-hmm. you know, but musical genre crossroads. I mean, we, you know, black, white, Jewish, yep. gay, you name it. You know, hip hop. I mean, we just have all these crazy varieties. You can go from Van Cliburn to even Hurricane Chris yeah. in the same conversation about our music. And it's like. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, and why wouldn't right. you? But the no, same you know, fact, nobody's the, getting left out of this conversation. We talk about music. It's like nobody in Shreveport's going right. to get left out. If you like classical music, if you like hip hop, if you like country, I mean, it's all. One, inclusive. I point to the Blade family often. In one house, you had. You know, gospel and rock and jazz, and they all became masters at their art yes. in one house, yeah. know, one family <laughs> from Shreveport. You know, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I I feel like the identity thing, like you talk about Austin National, long ago they established their identity. That's part of the we identify problems, and w- one of the ways to address that problem, talking about things we can do, is. My, one of my projects I've been working on is people can pass through this city or they can fly in from L.A. and they can come and go and never once see imagery of any kind that, that suggests the music history. Um, so I've, I've written out this plan. I haven't published it yet. But basically it addresses the portals to the city. Those are our highways and our airports. Um, my big thing is, you know, and I don't like getting too deep into politics, but we have blank water towers, and they're rusting. And 75,000 people drive by and see these blank rusting water towers. And so what I'd like to see on our water towers is some sort of, if not musical history thing, at least something positive. You know, something, uh, at least write Shreveport with an exclamation point yeah. after or something. But, uh, you know, um People who study marketing, they talk about the time frame you have to impress people. Uh, if you meet somebody new, within 30 seconds, they have made every assumption in the world about you that they might keep for the rest of their life in the first 30 seconds. So when people come into Shreveport, you know, they don't see signs, they don't see anything. Uh, if you go to Memphis, talking about identity, you know, Beale Street, Blues, Barbecue, Elvis, that's it. They've been harping on those things for 50 years, and they have these guitars everywhere. <laughs> and our, our city is void of that, void of any imagery. So uh, we've had some meetings with my buddy Mark Crawford at the airport about doing some things in the airport, you know, that uh, so people, 700,000 people a year would see. These are the little things we can do that make a big difference, you know. Um, it's edu- again, it's educational. educating locals and yeah. visitors. Um, the water towers I like to see. And then... Uh, I was talking to uh, Chris J at the Tourist Bureau about getting some signage for Leadbelly's grave. You know, it's not too far off I-20. And, uh, there's no signs. Well, and, and at this point, like, a lot of those buildings that have art on them downtown are super impressive. And I'm under the impression, wow, like, that must have been somebody out there painting. That's not painted. Vinyl. Right. It's vinyl. Vinyl wrap. And, 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 it, yeah. and it, you can put it up. It doesn't damage your building 
for tax credits or it's not permanent. It's something, and you could mm-hmm. change that out, you know, you know, we, yearly uh, or every other year. Yeah. Like, let's make like, hey, you guys vote. What uh-huh. do you, what do you want to see on this building? Let's yes. let's take up a collection. It's not that expensive to do. You know, I mean, you got some labor and you got printing the vinyl and making sure that you're not, you know, mm-hmm. stealing someone's mm-hmm. copyright. And you can vinyl wrap water towers. Yep. You can, ding, yeah, ding, you, ding, but ding, you can ding. vinyl wrap anything. You can make signs yeah. from, so wayfinding yeah. shouldn't be a, a difficult, well, you know. Well, this is why I feel like the, the water tower thing would be easy because they need to be painted, right? Yeah. They, they look, so you paint it white, slap a vinyl wrap on there, and it's all of a sudden... You know, people say, well, we got real problems. I got potholes and, you know, bad water line or whatever. And I said, well, these things all go hand in hand. Absolutely. You know, you, like you comb your hair every day, right? If you have it, only me. But, but it's like we do we do these little aesthetic things that, that subconsciously change the way people view your city, right? If you, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. And right now, those those are the kind of things that wouldn't take much money, wouldn't take much effort to collectively affect the subconscious thoughts going on in people's heads about their own city, their home. You know, um, so I'd like to see them greeted at the airport with some things, our water towers, and then and then like you said, the buildings, the vinyl wraps, easy stuff to do. We've been working. Uh, Grant knows Jordan Ring. She's a big. She she came along. She's a big help, big music history enthusiast. And she's working on some vinyl wrap projects downtown right now that I don't want to give away just no, yet. Well, I mean, I think there's even, like, there's federal grants for, for beautification mm-hmm. for, for, you know, especially if you have a downtown that has, you know, a gap tooth somewhere. It's like you can take the sides of those buildings that, you know, used to touch another building and, mm-hmm. and do something with them. I mean, that's what, you know, mini cine or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. That's they're taking a space that that exists and using it for the best thing they can. And, and culturally, I yeah. think that that's a thing that we don't um, we don't champion enough. And you know, like at the municipal or, or any anything over there. Like just just being on the tour, mm-hmm. like c- challenge everybody that hears this. When was the last time you went down to the municipal, took the tour? Oh, come I, on I've down. lived here. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived, well, but I've been here my whole life. And the first time I took it was like me and Josh and those people came through. You yeah. gave the tour. And it was yeah. like, man, I didn't know any of this. St- I mean, yeah. I A tangentially little. know yeah. this stuff. And, and I love music. But but I didn't know, yeah. you know, m- many of the parts of, of that I didn't know. I, I mean, I saw when um, they did the Hayride the thing for the um, – for the box set when they mm-hmm. were yes yes uh, nominated for the Grammy and uh, John Bell the governor came and sang on the stage and he was like this is really cool I, I mean and the guy's not it's not too bad of a singer either <laughs> like you know and it was like yeah. wow I'm seeing something and then it sort of started occurring to me like oh I've seen a lot of stuff here I mean I've I've been in this building for a lot mm-hmm. of things in my life that and you know I mean the Hirsch Coliseum is now uh, the ice, you know, right for, for the mud bugs. For the mud bugs. Yeah. But that, you know, because growing up, that's where you would go see most of the shows because the municipal was it wasn't in very good shape. And then they they put all that money back into it, and then they started trying to get shows back in there. I remember right. being a kid seeing. I'm trying to think of the last thing I like. I would really date myself if I if I said <laughs> what it was. But it's like went in there and it was like, oh, this is just like it's small. It's not as big as the Hirsch. And then you realize like. 
that's what we have here is the ability to see an incredibly intimate show yes. with, yeah. with like with but you can bring Jack White or mm-hmm. Bob Dylan or yeah. somebody and be like, hey, this is a municipal auditorium and they know, okay, I'll play that. Like, well, we gotta play it on a Wednesday. Like, I don't care. I that's just wanna right. play there. They're playing it. Yeah. They, they, you know? That's one of the few gigs on their route that the artist said, we're going here and yeah. we're playing there. Yeah. And, and even if it's like, oh, I went and like, there was, you know, it wasn't, you know, people jammed in there and, you know, 200,000 people or whatever, but it's like, they're, they're there more for like the history of, exactly. of the thing as well. There's stories about famous artists who were passing through town who weren't scheduled to perform there, but just wanted to stand on the stage. And so they would make accommodations and let them in. I think Eric Clapton might have done that at one yeah. point. Dolly Parton, some other. They just want to stand on the stage. And this is, there's a, this fictitious disease I invented called don't don't see it itis, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we all we're all guilty of it. Is if you walk by it every day, you don't see it, right? It, you know, for it, sure, it happens at your house when there's something broken. You just you don't see it itis. You just walk past it. And I think, to some extent, we can all suffer from that where we live. And the municipal auditorium, from the outside, oh, it's a big building. It looks nice. But, boy, when you get inside, it'll take your breath away. But people suffer from don't-see-it-itis because they drive by it every day. Yeah, or you go there for, you know, some event that's, right. you know, not. it's not a music event. It's, you know, a cotillion or, sure. or some kind of Holiday in Dixie or, or something like that. I've had people, uh, Europeans, mm-hmm. that were on the verge of tears when they got to stand on the stage. Because they were, you know, maybe 55 years old and for 40 years had been reading about the Hayride and listening yeah. to Elvis. And for the first time in 40 years, they got to actually stand in that spot and they literally become overcome with emotion. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch, you know, because as a musician, obviously, I appreciate the stage. But to see somebody emotionally affected by it. I just I wish I could take a little bit of that well, maybe, and put it into and the maybe people that's that live a here. thing too. Like if you showed, like maybe that helps you overcome the don't see it itis. It's like if you see people that have a real, you know, love for something yeah. come to a thing, then it helps. Because I mean, you're in Nashville, you see the Ryman, you're like, oh, there's a Ryman. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's Ryman, but like, am I gonna go? I'm not gonna go on the stage right. at the Ryman. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and you can you could come here you could play here like and and your whole life changed and that's part of what i think people don't under and that that was a big part of that ken burns thing too where it was like i don't know that that whole thing was super moving anyway just the the stuff that they showed us but you know having the the cradle of like you're gonna start here yeah and then you're gonna be people in different countries you know, we may not see eye to eye politically or whatever, but it doesn't matter. They love Hank Williams or they love Elvis or yeah, they love they whatever. And it's like, you know, it's not at that point. It's not governments. It's right. people with a love for music yes. and they have an understanding of what we have. And like you said, yeah, well, we look, can't see it. One of my favorite stories was there was a couple that came from uh, Great Britain. And they called six months in advance, you know. They, they were like half a year out there planning their arrival at Shreveport. And they flew into Memphis, and they got married at Graceland. You can rent a little chapel up there. And the second stop in the United States of America was Shreveport, Louisiana. And 
I met him down there to give him a tour. And, you know, it's supposed to be an hour tour, and it was just the two of them. And they were one of the ones that got real emotional. And we stayed for like two and a half hours, three hours. I couldn't even rush the – I mean, I'm like, I can't. (laughs) They came from 5,000 miles away, and this was part of their honeymoon. And every time I tell that story, people kind of chuckle. They giggle when I say they came to Shreveport for the honeymoon. And I said, until we can kind of get over laughing at that thought, you know, it's going to be a problem. It is. But there there are people who choose – they choose to come here for things like honeymoons because of the music history. And that's, you know, you're not going to find that in a lot of cities. And, uh, and that recognition of the power of that is, is where we have to get, you know, as a city. It, it is, though, like being ne- – I used to live next to the Grammy Museum in L.A. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's like right next to a movie theater. And I would just <laughs> go to the movie theater and I'm like – <laughs> you know, and, and like now that you're saying that, though, it's like you do kind of like you, your day to day. You oh, yeah. you get caught up in your th- your own whatever you're doing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like all, I've never been in that museum. I walk past it <laughs> yeah. like every single day and I never There's went a in a museum it. of in the in the municipal. I've been in the municipal a hundred times and I've only yeah. been in the, the little museum inside of it once. You yeah. know, it was unlocked. And it's for got whatever. some cool stuff. It does. It yeah. But it needs to be dusted sure. off and yeah. and improved. But the tour of, if Shreveporters could go on your tour and, and Robert Trudeau's tour and it, 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 if everybody could do that once, it would change the the uh, yeah. Shreveport itis immensely. Yeah. I Well, I feel like. OK, so. About four years ago. I'm trying to remember how long I've known you, Grant. Trisha Root will be six years old in a couple of days. So. I, when I first set out on this quest, again, that was that word, I met with Sylvia Goodman, yeah, who, is, who did so much and does a lot for Shreveport. She was one of the first people I met. Mm-hmm. And we met at Rhino Coffee, and I said, what to, how do I do this? And she said, uh, just start talking. And don't stop. So I started talking. And I've met with literally hundreds of people. And I, I started doing the tours of the municipal. I've done dozens and dozens of those. And I feel momentum. I feel it. Yep. I feel it because, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, you've heard that. I've been a real squeaky wheel for four years now. And I, I've championed this cause because going full circle here as a musician when you sing these people's songs and while you, while you're singing I'm so lonesome I could cry or jambalaya or that's all right mama as you're singing these songs you're so connected to these people and you don't realize you know these people dead and gone for a long time but in a strange way as a musician you're connected to them because you sing their songs you keep them alive by singing their songs and then when you think about the fact that they called Shreveport home just like you, that's a really powerful notion to me. And so I, I don't take this lightly. And so that's why I've been banging this drum so loud for four years because I see it as a, a solution to so many problems. You know, identity, uh, economy, uh, culture, just so many ways that this can lift. I mean, it's a tide that can lift Shreveport. Yeah. And and I'm just keep preaching this till everybody hears it. And I hope our leaders hear it. You know, I hope our mayor hears it. Like I just want everybody to hear this, that it deserves our full attention and focus. 
How much does education, I mean like elementary, middle school, play a part? Have you seen in your research other cities that have incorporated that history in either the curriculum or field trips? Uh, you know, I, I, I can remember as a kid, I, if I went to the municipal on a tour, I don't remember it. I mean, it was, I was yeah, grinding I never, before I, never I did. appreciated I it. I have done tours for grade school kids, and it's a battle Yeah, because they might have heard of Elvis. Uh, I gave a tour to the Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, and uh, one girl was clicking away so excited. I said, "Do you know? Do you love Elvis?" She said, "No, but my dad does." Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's definitely a void. But this again, circling back to the museum discussion, is one of your main patrons of a music museum will be schools and school buses, and there are a number of people including our dear friend Jordan Ring, who yeah. admitted to me she thought the hayride was an actual hayride. Right, that's right. I've heard and, that a lot. Uh, which, you know, I'm not, I mean, that's, that, I've heard that more than once. Yeah. If you grew up in this city and if in the school they're not talking about it, there's no museum to go to learn about it. And people say, well, why does it matter? You know, why does it matter to these kids today about learning from somebody from 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years ago? And I'd simply say to them, if people can achieve greatness and they're from Shreveport, then you can too. And that's not a message these kids have been hearing. The message they hear growing up here is, oh, good luck, better leave when you can. Yeah, you know? you're from Shreveport. Yeah, you're from Shreveport. Good Shreep- luck yeah. in the oil yeah. field. Yeah, so this is, a, this is bigger than music, right? Uh, you know, Lead Belly, growing up on a you know, farm out by Mooringsport, dirt poor, they were all dirt poor. And he changed the world yep. with his music. Well, and, and uh, like he's kept alive, right? Yes. By, by like, there's a whole bunch of other people from the bottoms that are not kept alive, right? And you don't know who they were. Like, there's a whole. I, I was doing a bunch of research lately, and and the there was a group of people that went before they took all those houses out. Yes. And they photographed each house. Oh wow! And like, there's a whole thing down at the archives, and it's like, you know. 903 Sprague Street, 906 Sprague wow. Street, and then yeah. like some of them have like who who's there? That's amazing. Or, or and and it's a it's someone had the forethought to go. Wait a minute, like this is a you know this is a rundown old part of town, and That's it was amazing. the old you know the old part, and and we're gonna we're gonna scrape all this stuff off, and we're gonna try to you know make it nicer or clean it up or whatever, and it's like. But still, a group of people was like, "Wait, this is history. This is there's something here. Right, let's Maybe we don't know what document. it is now, but let's at least document it." And it's it's the same thing. Like, there's a lot of documentation of stuff, but it's like, I gotta go down there. Like, cert, like you gotta dig it out. Yes. And it's like, guys, we got it. it's all it's all here. Just we can show it to people. At least make it, at least make it where people can get to it if they want it. You yes. Know? No, that's because well, that's look, the thing. The music that came out of out of the bottoms down there yeah. is. It, it's hard to tie all these dots together, which is why I feel like ultimately developing a music museum yeah. helps tie these dots together. But you had over there uh, Old Blue Goose Blues Lounge, which we know Blind Lemon Jefferson played at and some other itinerant blues men coming through on the train would play there. And it, it was, you know, it's right there by, by the bottoms. And you know that all of these blues artists and people were commingling and talking and playing music on front door steps. And I can only imagine the music that was played there. And then, and then I hear this, uh, a, a woman at Fertitas told me, and this is a family legend, I can't verify this, that when Elvis showed up, now he, he was a rhythm and blues guy, right? He was up in Memphis listening to uh, 
the guy Crudup that's saying, yeah. that's all right, Mom. Like, yeah, Elvis is soaking up all this stuff. And Lady at Fertitta's told us the family legend is that Elvis ate a sandwich over there at Fertitta's, went around the corner to Old Blue Goose, and was listening to those old men play the blues there. He was just killing time one afternoon. So, so when they were – the bottoms down there was, in a way, affecting Elvis's – you know, absolutely, way, sure. way but of playing and and, and Stan, like Stan Hoppin, st- yeah, like all, yeah. like I they mean, were Stan, uh, Stan Lewis, Lewis. Yeah. yeah, they're making records, and it's like you could go in there and and cut a single, like, and a lot of people yeah. have a dream of, I want to be, you know, I want to go to Nashville, I want to be a songwriter, yeah, and it's like, okay, so then you go to. Sun Records and walk in the door and then you're Elvis and it's like well that's not exactly how it works <laughs> so but, easy but yeah. but you know you know that story N- yeah. very few people know like yeah there's studios here there's records that are cut that have I can't remember what stands what the label became Jewel and Paula Jewel. yeah um, but but those records like you find singles because you only print I mean you know yeah. if you if yeah. you got no money you're like hey it's three hundred bucks we'll make a single and you get you know 500 copies or something and it's like those records and that's what people like when you see people that are you know like DJs or or hip hop artists that dig for for stuff that's like man nobody's ever heard this before Mm -hmm. you know why because there's only three of them 300 of them printed and now there's probably only like 50 left because yeah. you know people use sure. frisbees and whatever but like <laughs> that's you know it's that's a real thing yeah well and then and then so this the the awareness of all this stuff is what ties the cultural appreciation together you know like these photos of these houses mm-hmm. and you can paint these pictures and it brings it to life that's the thing you know you got to know like if you're gonna like elvis you got to know where he came from you know where he came from you got to know his influences and and so when I heard that story about him listening to the old blues men down there at Old Blue Goose, I thought, man, I don't know if it's true, but it would make a lot of sense that he was here soaking up those sounds and those stories and being influenced by all these uh, you know, blues musicians. And, and it, it brings a whole new level of awareness to, to Shreveport's influence. And that's, that's sure. the whole conversation. Uh, people that live here tend to think of it as Shreveport history. And Grant and I said this since the day, day one was this is – American history and world history that the sounds coming out of this city influence the world. Absolutely. That Stan Lewis is a perfect example. I mean, the records he was making and the music deals he was doing out of this city. Yeah. I mean, number one, he was he was putting the songs he wanted on jukeboxes all around the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was the most influential jukebox setter, for lack of a better term, of anybody in the country. Then his platform and sending records to Bob Dylan, who was listening to the Hayride, you know, mm-hmm. up in Minnesota and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so much of that. Um, and the Beatles listening to uh, James Burton records and yeah. Keith Richards listening to James Burton records. He, they say he wasn't, he was on Ricky Nelson's records, but they were listening for James. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean, it's, it's a world history and, and uh, we've just got to do a better job of telling that story. Well, well I think Chris I think, Brown has a, like, done a ton of oh, research we love chris yeah. like yeah. shout out chris brown he's <laughs> he's great he, he is he is definitely if there's an if there's somebody on winston status it's, it's chris y'all too well done. i call him encyclopedia brown because <laughs> half the time i forget the name or the date or the location he, that he and he in terms of like an archivist and stuff doing what you're talking about he's yeah. done a great job of finding yeah. some jewels yeah. what i would like to see 
as, as music tourism develops, as a music museum gets built, is the centralization of all these things we talk about. There's memorabilia right now. People write me and they'll say, well, my grandpa has all this stuff in his attic. Do you want it? I'm like, I don't remember where to put it. Yeah. But Just say yes and we'll find yeah, it. That's right. But the centralization of the archival stuff, memorabilia. That's extremely important. Uh, digital uh, digital archiving, you know, audio, uh, uh, Sarah Hebert and Chris Jay just did some interviews mm-hmm. on for Hey, the, the, the interviewing the people. It's a living history for about uh, maybe fifteen more years. Yeah, and then it's uh, these then it's people, gone forever. Yeah, and and uh, I play music at retirement homes, and I've lost count of the number of people I've met that saw Elvis. Oh, I saw Elvis. Yeah, I saw. Him. But they'll be gone in fifteen years, so we have to archive their story. So right now, it's. it's we're having these conversations. They're all scattered yeah. over here and over there. And uh, there's a lot of great people um, that are doing a lot of great work with the music history, um, b- b- compiling it, writing it. But it's it's spread out all over the place. So I'd love to see the centralization of this. Um, so you know, a, a music museum and the spillover from that has a lot of effects. One, it honors the music. Number two is it makes money. And then number three is that it it, uh, it preserves. You know, I got to go, uh, a friend of mine is actually in charge of the Jazz Museum in New Orleans. Oh, and, wow. And they took me and Donna into the their storage area. <laughs> and they've got, you know, King Oliver, the, the famous jazz yeah. trumpet, he influenced Blue Armstrong. They had his mouthpiece in a box, you know, just sitting on a shelf. And... Uh, they cycle this stuff in and out of the museum, and I said, and and it's a it's a well protected building from hurricanes and weather and all climate and all this, and I'm just looking around. I said, this is what we need. This is absolutely what we need in Shreveport. Uh, you know, to be able to protect all that stuff. Uh, it's 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 way past time. So we're gonna get there. I mean, we're gonna get there. The conversations being had. These conversations are being had, um, and it, the why not people are kind of uniting around this. Yeah, in Shreveport, we talk about how it's a small town, and that can be good and bad, but the good part about it is that it's it's easy to get plugged in and meet people, yes. and I met you, and then you introduced me to Jordan, and we introduced everybody to everybody. We just name-checked a bunch of people who are on this crusade, mm-hmm. and and uh, having all those people tell these stories and talk and cross-pollinate ideas, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am very bullish and optimistic on something happening. I yes. think you learn about the... I was going to ask you a reason why it maybe hadn't happened, and we've touched on it, and I think a lot of it is just the 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 first generation of people to make a music museum happen were, were those that were active in the history yes, or, or the family members of, of those active in the history, and that presents other issues. But now that it's kind of our generation's turn, we don't have those. There's no strings attached. There's Everybody's here, I think, for the right reason. Yes. And that's why I'm so optimistic. So. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, and I don't want to get into too much of the, no. the nitty-gritty, but different people have different ideas about ways it should be done, which is great until it prevents it from getting done. Yes. And so there were a couple of pushes in the past to do something like this that didn't pan out. A lot of times it was political, and a lot of times it was money. But this is a new... It feels like a new beginning. It feels yeah, like a, a new generation, um, a renaissance, uh, whatever you want to call it, of of people that we're just enough removed from it that we don't we don't have to adhere to the ideals of of the past. So we we're looking at it through fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always said from the beginning, I don't I don't really care 
who does it or how they do it as long as it gets done. Now that's kind of a kind of a loose <laughs> phrase, but what I mean by that is something, some action is better than no action. And so little by little, little by little, we're getting there. And I'm excited. We have some meetings coming up um, with some people. I don't want to name names yet, but we have some meetings coming up that are in the right direction for getting this finally done. And there will come a day. Uh, there will be a beautiful day when the ground will get broken on a music museum or, or if it's not in a, in a building that's being renovated. And I've always said, I had this conversation last night, sometimes people don't know what they need until you show them. You have, to, you have to just go ahead and show them. And then they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we needed that. And I feel like the music, music museum and the tourism industry around it is, is a no-brainer, that once it's established, everybody will say, oh, yeah. There's a, in a bunch of this research that I've been doing, like there, I found a, like a 10-page spread from the Shreveport Times, like from 92, I think. And it was talking all about like downtown and like all the problems and like, you know, just pictures of like, oh, and one of the things was like, you know, the parking lot where Stans was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at that same map, it's like, oh, but right next to that is Rhino and mm -hmm. Parish Taco mm -hmm. and the Robinson. Like all of this stuff that's like, oh, you know, we need this, this. Like it's, I know that we've had a couple ups and downs specifically oil and gas related in that time span but it's you know i hear a lot of people say like oh well, i mean people have been trying to do that forever and it's like yeah yeah it's happening yeah but again in the last we, 10 years yeah. but we're not san francisco this isn't like <laughs> right. we're, we're not going to put 12 billion into the like you know yeah. that's a great point you're spot on i was i was about to say that i think the another reason i'm bullish is because a, a lot of the music history is a is a downtown streetport history oh yeah and uh the great progress that downtown has seen yes. can only help this yep. music it's all tied together about. did you ever see that movie the the martian with matt yeah. damon yeah. Where he, where he yeah, lives yeah. on mars well he gets stuck on mars oh, yeah. and he has to grow his own food <laughs> and there's a whole big part of the movie around him creating the right climate in this little Martian outpost to grow potatoes. And I believe it or not, I thought of Shreveport's music history situation <laughs> when I saw that movie because I was like, you can try all you want to grow potatoes in the wrong climate and they won't grow. But the minute the climate is right, you can't stop a potato from growing. And so I feel like that's what's happened in Shreveport over these last decades is people were trying to grow things and it was the wrong climate, right? But especially in the last 10 years, it's the right climate now. Yes. Uh, when I moved here in 2007, none of that stuff it, was down there. It's the none thing, of that stuff the was on Texas Street. You, you used to have to go other places to get certain pieces of culture now or jobs. Like, like even though we don't have a super, like we could definitely use some jobs. But we're not going to, you know, we're not getting a GM. We're not, we're not going to make a factory with... 10,000 jobs. I mean, right. we wouldn't turn that away. We'll take it. <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't turn <laughs> it away. But, but, but it's, it's not, it's not, you know, if we could, if we could do five jobs and, and five people can live here and do a job for somebody, I don't care where they are, mm -hmm. but they can live here. And then when they get off work, they can say, Hey, no, I came from over there and now I'm here and you guys are come see where I live. We have all this, we have this museum. We have all mm -hmm. this music history. There's going to be a show on Thursday, mm -hmm. like, come into town and see this like now where are you oh right here and yeah. then the, and then you have the ability to you know 
go on that computer and do mm -hmm. like and start collecting all of that stuff and put it together and then make organically the thing that yes. all these other cities have made where, yeah. where they're where they're going out and saying yeah. like oh our, our town we're music city we're keeping it weird we're you know yeah. xyz uh, we can do that like the three of us could do that For like sure. start doing that just with like hey i'm gonna go tell three people mm -hmm. about this and you know one of those per people is going to care and the other two won't but it does like you just keep pushing forward and i think that's the that seems to be what it feels like is 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 happening it's yeah. like oh the people that did they don't they're not necessarily into it they're going over there and they're going to sit in their house and do their thing and mm -hmm. that's fine that's cool but but the one person that did want to do it brought a person and then and now we can all be yeah. together and we can do our thing and then the people who don't want to participate they don't have to but it's here for them when they get ready to yeah. you know to open up to it well and my my final thought and I, I need to scoot out of here but ironically to go play music yeah. <laughs> um, it, things change right what's the country song that says the only thing that stays the same is that everything changes well I've always thought something we could point to in Shreveport that will never change is the history right you know, casinos and gambling. You know, if Texas ever decided to legalize gambling, we'd be in a world of hurt. Um, you know, GM plant, their car factory, you know, car, that's changing, and they closed GM. There's this, this, this wave of uncertainty around all these industries that we pin our hopes and dreams on. But something that doesn't change and will never go away is the music history. It's in the soil. It's in the dirt. It's It's planted like an oak tree in the ground and so if any argument could be made for for building an economic future around music tourism it would be that that is is never going away yeah a, a law in a different state can't get rid of our music history or a, a an executive for gm and wherever they are detroit or wherever can't pull the plug on on our music history here like that's it's ours and it will always be ours. And so if for that reason alone, we should really uh, stand on that hill and fight for it. Anyway, that's, that's a great point. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah. It's, uh, Yo, it's been fun. We could talk all day. You're, you're a jewel, man, and, and uh, I'm glad we could uh, put it down. I guarantee you, you taught a, a lot of people a lot of different things. and just would encourage people to, no matter what your favorite genre is, to do some research on Shreveport and, and go support local music. You Please know? do. Support local music. And the, the, the last, the people always ask, how can I help? Right now you can help by just becoming part of this conversation. Um, you know, on social media, instead of sharing some dumb news story about some criminal, find something about our music history and share that. You know, like, like let's talk about it. Let's be vocal about it. Please come take a tour of the municipal auditorium, and I'll, I'll let you know everything I know about that building, and, and become part of this conversation. If you get... 200,000 people that are all part of the conversation, I promise it will be at the forefront of every discussion, politically, economically, it'll, and we'll all make it happen together. So, go team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thanks.